And we've been in the middle of an incredible series. For those of you who don't know, we're doing a series called Glad You Asked, where we put the challenge out to the church and to the online world and saying, send us the questions you've been wanting to ask, the questions that have bothered you or the questions that we never kind of get around to in the ordinarily, ordinary game of preaching. And so we've had some incredible questions come in. We've had so many questions come in that we've been doing some of the bigger ones on Sundays, but we've also been doing multiple questions during the week on YouTube as well. If you're not aware of that, go to our YouTube channel and look for our midweek specials. There's some awesome, exciting questions there. And so guys, you've really put me on the spot because some of those questions have been fun, but some of them have been heavy. Some of them I know, like I'm offending somebody. Somebody's not happy with what I'm saying today. And so we thought for our first Sunday back, let's maybe dial it back a bit. Let's stick with the series, but let's keep the tone a little bit lighter. So we're not diving into a super heavy one today, but it is very important. It is immensely practical and affects large portions of our time. So let me read the question to you and let's get stuck in from there. Question came in. I went to a praise and worship event and had a Harry Potter shirt on. A gentleman there told me that because of my shirt, I could be blocking my blessings. Now, I am not going to ask for hands up whether you're for or against Harry Potter. Because Harry Potter is not going to be on trial today. What I'm going to try and do is navigate the question behind the question. And that is this. Does God care about what I watch? Whether it's Harry Potter, whether it's DC and Marvel movies, whether it's Friends, whether it's whatever news is your favorite news source, does God care about what I watch? And as a Christian, is there any wisdom I can apply to these hours that I spend consuming media content, be it on YouTube, on TV, or movies? Now, guys, this is nothing new. When movies came out just over 100 years ago, immediately Christians were cynical. Why? Well, the main reason is, is for the first time, Christians and non-Christians alike were actually seeing things that ordinarily they would never have seen. Things that usually happen either on a battlefield or a bedroom. And now they're seeing it with their own eyes and then add to that the kind of lifestyles of the rich and famous and Christians have been very nervous about Hollywood right back to 100 years ago. So over the years, regularly there are movies that have gotten Christians more upset than others and Christians have boycotted movies and protested movies. Probably the biggest protest was in 1988 when Martin Scorsese brought the movie out, The Last Temptation of Christ. And the heart of the movie is about Jesus Christ fantasizing about Mary Magdalene. This got Christians so upset that not only boycotted the movie, they protested the movie, and 25,000 Christians bombarded Universal Studios in LA, chanting Jesus, holding up their Bibles, and holding up their crosses. And so for the most part, Christians evaluate movies based on how many F-bombs and how many sex scenes are or are not in the movie? 
But more recently, there's been a bit of pushback. And I mean, in the, maybe the last 15, 20 years, where some Christians are saying, guys, what makes a movie good or not good is not exclusively how much offensive material there is or isn't in the movie, but what if we see movies as media and as art? And we're gonna talk about this in a second. Can't we appreciate good art? And maybe if there is a movie that from an artistic perspective is good, is beautiful, is profound, maybe does that mean we overlook some of the more offensive things? On the other hand, and I'm just gonna show my hand here, I have seen some Christian movies. No F-bombs, no sex scenes, no blasphemy, no violence, and they're just horrible. They're just bad. And I wouldn't want anyone to watch them. I'd rather listen to a sermon or a podcast. And so is there a line? How do we think about this? And where do we draw this line? So I'm hoping you're seeing there's two dynamics here that often work against each other. There's the offensive dynamics. I don't need to tell you what those are. And it's not that simple, actually. If you think about it, we treat different offensive dynamics differently. Like, for example, most of you have seen the movie Braveheart. Maybe you've referenced it in a youth talk 20 years ago whenever the movie came out. Christians celebrated Braveheart, but it is R-rated because of its violence. But for a movie that's equally R-rated because of its sexual content, we maybe draw a different line there. And so how do we think about these things? Where do we draw these lines? Are they completely arbitrary or can we be a bit more intentional when we think about the offensive content side of things? But then there's also the artistic side of things. And guys, let me say that as Christians, we should celebrate creativity. I believe we've got one of the greatest reasons to be truly creative and I don't just mean second-rate copies of what the world is doing, but true creativity. Our God, by definition, is a creator. And we are created in His image. We create in a way that nothing else on planet Earth does. Even those bower birds from Papua New Guinea, they make these beautiful little things to attract their mates. Because, oh, that's art. No, that's instinct. We alone create, and it is part of our God-given mandate to celebrate creativity and to create. And so, yes, when it comes to things that are art and artistic and are beautiful, things that have the power to get beyond sometimes our logical brain and plunge straight into the heart, as Christians, we should not only celebrate that, but I wish more of us were leading the way. One of the greatest artists in my perspective, might sound as like a strange person to bring up here, but it's J.R.R. Tolkien. I mean, if you think about what he wrote, how his faith informed what he wrote, it wasn't just linear Christianese stuff. It was beautiful and it has impacted the church and it has impacted the world. That's like the standard that I'm holding up for us here. And we've got every reason to aim for that. But sometimes these are working against each other. Great movie, great art, but oh, did they have to include some of these things? 
How do we navigate that? One of the most helpful books I've read on this is by a Christian art critic. His name is Brett McCracken. He wrote a book called Gray Matters, and the subtitle is Navigating the Space Between Legalism and Liberty. And he's trying to say, guys, how do we as Christians think intelligently and biblically about the gray areas of life? Like, what should we and shouldn't we eat? What should we and shouldn't we drink? Or maybe even smoke. That's a live conversation for people. What should we listen to when it comes to music? And what should we watch and consume when it comes to our media and online content? And he suggests five considerations for determining what we do and don't watch. And the first consideration is this. What is your weakness? Where does sin strike you the hardest? Are you prepared to do the hard work of identifying the danger within before pointing out the dangers without? Let me start with an obvious example. And I I stereotypically aim at the guys here, although this is not exclusively a guy thing. But for many guys, after certain TV series, after certain movies, and before I even go there, let me just assume pornography isn't up for debate here. This is not like, should we, shouldn't we? This is like killing people, like it's just a no-go. Okay, so let's just, (laughs) yeah, let's just get that out the way. So aside from that, there are still movies and TV series we watch that for many guys, probably most guys, are gonna lead your mind to lustful sexual thoughts. You're gonna have a greater tendency to be tempted towards fantasy, towards pornography. And so you've gotta know that about yourself. But it's not only, you know, those gross men. What about a movie like Titanic? Sorry, showing my age here where there's a lady, again, stereotypically, but there's a lady watching that and just watching this romance and what Leonardo DiCaprio was willing to risk for love. And then she goes home to her husband and she's like, oh, imagine. That is no difference to the guy whose mind is going to a sexually provocative place. Or what if you know your weakness is your mouth and the taxi driver cuts you off or there's a long queue at checkers and you just know the tendency for you to say certain things and you know that after certain movies, after certain TV programs, those words come out more. Or you're shorter, you're more angry. It can also get a lot more subtle than that. Where you watch a movie, you watch a TV series, And what gets intentionally or unintentionally communicated to you is, this is the good life. This is what the good life looks like. And you go back to your home, your husband, your wife, your kids, your job, and you're more discontent at a heart level. You've got to know that about yourself. And guys, if... There is something outside of you appealing to the temptation inside of you. The wisdom is don't even debate it. Don't do it. Jesus says, Matthew 5, 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, 
Don't try to look the other way, gouge it out and throw it away. We need to be willing to sacrifice entertainment and pleasure and even an experience of artistic quality if we know that this is causing me to sin. And I need to be very well prepared to say no to that. So you've got to know yourself, but consideration number two is, what are the weaknesses in your community? Yes, maybe sometimes you watch on your own, but very often it's a husband and a wife. It's a family watching something together. It's you going with a bunch of friends. And just like, let's say that you and some friends, every now and again, you like opening a bottle of wine, but you know that your one friend is a recovering alcoholic. What do you choose to do in that situation? Guys, today we're doing coke. And water, because we care about this brother's heart. Or parents, are you thinking critically about what you're letting your kids watch? I know for Bianca and I, we've got very different things that trigger the inner part of our sin life. And so I can't just go, well, this doesn't bother me. She must deal with it. I've got to think about her, and she's got to think about me. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8 verses 13, therefore, if what I eat, the context of this verse is the Corinthian church was battling with what do we do with meat that was offered to idols? But we can draw an analog between meat offered to idols and alcoholic drinking or what I watch. If what I eat or what I drink or what I watch causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never watch that again. So that I will not cause him to fall. What are the weaknesses in your community? Consideration number three is, is it beneficial? Again, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12, Paul says, everything is permissible to me. Now, what you may not always pick up in your translation is, he's not saying that, he's quoting what they're saying to him. So the Corinthian church is saying, guys, we got freedom in Jesus. We're not under the law. Everything is permissible to me. And Paul says, oh, is it? But not everything is beneficial. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so a good question is, by watching this movie, is it beneficial to you? Is it adding value to your life at some level? Is your time better spent doing something else? Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you should feel guilty by watching something on TV because Stephen says, I should rather be praying and reading the Bible. Now, listen, if you are reading, I mean, watching eight hours of movies a day and you're praying like eight minutes a week, then you've got a problem. But is this adding value to your life? You know, something that uh, many Christian critics and pastors and thinkers often point out is that often in secular movies that have no intention to mention anything about Christianity, they sometimes have incredible redemptive themes. For example, the other day, my family and I were watching a movie called Raya and the Lost Dragon. All right, animated movie. We loved it as a family, and I, I really am sorry because there's probably going to be a bit of a spoiler alert here, 
but it's the setting is in China, and at some distant past, humanity was united, the world was a wonderful place, and there were also this whole like, kind of population of dragons that brought blessing to the people. But they slowly died out. There was rumor that there was one last dragon, and then part of the movie is trying to find this dragon, blah, 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 and, but the world gets worse and worse and worse. The tensions between these tribes and humanity gets darker and darker and darker, and just at the point where things look like they're completely over, all these dragons come back from the dead, and the main character dragon is literally resurrected from the dead, and that is the point at which life is brought back to the world, and humanity thrives again, and I'm like... Come on, that's the gospel. It's the greatest story ever told. Go watch the Green Mile, the gospel is in there. They didn't think so, but we can see it. So sometimes there are some redemptive ways that we can see God's truth in some of these movies. Point number four, consideration number four is have you prayed about it? Here's what I'm not really saying. I'm not really saying, ooh, here's a movie. Lord, must I, mustn't I, give me a sign. I think what he's suggesting here is all those first three points do that work with God. Lord, where are my weaknesses? Where, where are my tendencies or who do I need to think about, my kids or, or my family? And am I needlessly exposing them to things that are a danger to them? Lord, is this truly beneficial to me? Can I do something better with my time? Just by the way, there is a category in the Christian life for rest. And a movie can help you do that in appropriate sort of measures in your life. But do the hard work of working that out with God. This is incredibly important. I'll tell you what I do. I've done some of this hard work of understanding my, my triggers and the kinds of things the kind of, where I'm gouging out my right eye and where I need to be drawing a line and saying no. And so when it comes to this side of things, the artistic side of things, whenever I see a new TV series or a new movie, the first thing I do is Google it and I check out the ratings. Because from my perspective, I do not have time to watch bad stuff. And I don't just mean morally bad, I just bad TV, bad movies. I don't have time in my life for that. Now, yes, sometimes I see a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes and it is a really bad movie. But point is, I'm giving myself a bit of a running start here. I only want to watch things that are beneficial to me. I want to read the reviews. That's the art side. I want to just set myself up for wins more often than not. But then when it comes to the offensive side of things, here's what I do, and you're welcome, is I type in the movie. Now, Raya the Lost Dragon is an animated movie made for kids and families, so I didn't do it for that, but ordinarily I type in the movie title, like Raya and the Lost Dragon, followed by the words, Parents Guide. And what you'll find are websites that will tell you how often swear words are used, if there's blasphemy used, if there's violence, what level of violence are you going to be exposed to? If there's sexual content, what does that sexual content look like? And so I don't have to like watch the thing and then, ooh, it's too late. I get a heads up. And to be honest, eight times out of 10, I turn that movie down. 
Sometimes movies that I know are artistically good. But this is something we do with God. We're not just asking God for a green light to watch everything, but we want God to speak to us, speak to our consciences and develop that within us. So there are four considerations, but I've got a couple more questions for you. The first question is this, what if watching this movie doesn't cause me to sin? What if, for whatever reason, there is sexual content, there is a lot of violence, there is a lot of blasphemy and cussing and swearing, and it just doesn't bother you? Well, maybe at some level, that is just according to your conscience and your makeup, depending on the level, maybe that's okay. Maybe not okay for somebody else, but for you, it's okay. But at some point, I want to tell you what the Bible says about our consciences. Paul writes to the Ephesian church saying, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do. These are people who don't know God. In their futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Paul is assuming that the reason why the Gentile world is completely and always going down these hedonistic pathways and experiencing destruction along the way, part of the reason he's saying is because you're not thinking about it. Paul is assuming that if you're a Christian, you're thinking about it. Because some of you are saying, Stephen, are you telling me I must do all this work? Before I watch a movie, I'm saying yes. Paul is assuming we're thinking about this. We're growing in our understanding. Because I can promise you this. If you retain a posture of being unthinking in what you consume, you're gonna cross all sorts of lines that you may or may not come to regret. But Paul goes on to say, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. As I said earlier, maybe there may be a movie, and again, I'm not talking about it in the extremes, but because of the content and just the way you're made, in your conscience, you get a green light. But if you're watching something and there's no red flag it may very well mean, not that it should be a green light for you, but that your conscience is not working as it should. And that's gonna come down to how we as Christians respond to our consciences. On average, am I saying, God, speak to me in my conscience, Romans chapter two. Am I saying, God, sensitize my conscience? And where what feels normal to me and what seems normal to God's word don't match up. I'm gonna intentionally align my conscience to God's word. Lord, help me do that. When God prompts me to do something or not to do something, I'm gonna obey. And so I nurture a, a life of responding to my conscience and allowing God to sharpen my conscience or we can live lifestyles that do the exact opposites where every time God whispers to me, every time God used to speak to me 20 years ago about what I should and shouldn't do, I chose to overrule my conscience. And at some point, my conscience is no longer speaking to me because I'm no longer sensitized to it. 
And so I'm just watching this stuff and I'm going, it feels good. Therefore, it's okay. And we need to be aware that there's a high likelihood that our consciences aren't as sharp as they should be. So here's what I've noticed when it comes to these gray areas. And now we're talking about media, what we do and don't consume. I've noticed that our response to holiness, where the Bible says very clearly, be holy as I am holy. When the challenge gets put out there, there tends to be two differing responses to be holy as I am holy. Now in the area of movies and TV. And I think the best sort of analogy we can look at is Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. And we see two different responses to who the father is. There's the younger brother, and he's the person who's just like, I'm going to green light everything. Like, everything is a go for me. I'm going to overrun my conscience. I'm going to go against my father's will time and time again. Then he hits rock bottom, and he comes back. Father, he says, you know, my son is back, and throws a party, and the son enjoys the love of the father. But then there's the older brother. And the older brother looks down his nose at his younger brother. I can't believe he did that. Can't believe he made those kinds of decisions. I, I'm the one who did the Father's will. I'm the one who did all the right things. But if you read that parable, you would see that his heart is as far from the Father's heart as his other brother is. If anything, that parable ends with the younger brother in the party and the older brother outside of the party. Conclude what you may from that. So some people are going to go the direction of the older brother. We've got this external list of criteria of what is a Christian and a non-Christian movie. And when this movie doesn't, you know, meet my standards, I loudly condemn the movie and I loudly condemn those who watch it. The problem is with the genuine older brother is that the biggest danger to him is not watching that movie. The biggest danger to him are the more acceptable Christian sins like pride and self-righteousness and hypocrisy, lack of joy, condemning every sinner out there. And the point of the story is this person is so far from the heart of God. One of the warnings for those of us who tend to be older brothers, and, and for me, I see both in my heart at different times, is that it leads to judgmentalism. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 12, Paul says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? The answer is that you've got no business. As Christians, we've got no business judging those outside of the church. But even in the church, Colossians 2 verse 16 says, therefore, now Paul's talking about disputable matters, therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. So yes, we need to know how to say no. There are gonna be certain times when no is the right way, but we don't do it in a judgmental, condemnatory way. We do it out of love. Now, of course, if, if you are in relationship with someone, you have walked a road with them, you know their heart, you haven't judged them based on a t-shirt they're wearing at a worship conference. There is time and place to speak to someone if there is a genuine concern. Once you've dealt with your own issues, taken out the log in your own eyes and all that kind of stuff. We do that in love. We do that in gentleness. 
but you don't want to go the way of the older brother. But then on the other side, there's the younger brother. And often the younger brother is an overreaction against the older brother. I'm tired of all these rules. I'm tired of all the don't, 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 don't. Christians can't have fun. So I'm just gonna say, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I'm gonna smoke whatever I want, drink whatever I want, eat whatever I want, and watch whatever I want because I'm free in Jesus. And very often, I think the danger on this side is there's a lack of desire to work out what does it mean to be holy like Jesus is holy. I don't wanna become the older brother, but there's still a holiness to Jesus that is deeply impactful to the world and is still separate to the world. And that takes hard work. And that takes repentance. And that takes saying no a lot. So as we are trying to evaluate what I can and cannot watch, just what is your proclivity? Do you tend to go the direction of the older brother? And so you're so proud of yourself because you don't watch those movies. But there are far more sinister things that are in your heart. Or are you just like, whatever, anything goes? Know that about yourself. Not to judge you so that you can know yourself. And you can respond accordingly and repent and find grace and truth and love. So guys, I want to end off with this final thought. What we see is so powerful to shape us. Please don't put... Ah, this is just a sermon about movies. I'm not really gonna take that seriously. This is not neutral territory. What we put in our eyes, just as much as what I put in my mouth, shapes me, literally. What I stick through my eyes shapes me. Jesus put it this way. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. And church, this is so much more than about not watching the bad things. I'm asking you, what are you filling your vision with? Are you intentionally filling the vision of your heart with the kingdom of God, with the truth of God's word, with the reality of the presence and power of Christ in your life? Are you responding positively to the light? When you are facing choices, are you starting to see more and more, the light is good. The light is good. I want the light. And that may mean saying no, because sometimes things are better left unwatched. Sometimes that drink is better left unconsumed, even if you have liberty. As Christians, we need to know how to navigate the real and present dangers of what we fill our vision with. But at the same time, we also need to know how to raise our standards of how we appreciate the beauty of art, the beauty that God has given this world, how we can be thoughtful and discerning, not only what we say no to, but what we say yes to and what we can celebrate and is productive in my life.
but we need to be thoughtful. We need to be intentional. And for most of us, this occupies like 20% of our lives at least. I think it's important. And so just before I close in prayer, I want you to make a mental note or maybe if you've got your journal open or your phone, you want to write this down. Has God just put his finger on something for you? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a recognition of, I don't always take into account the danger within me when watching certain things. And I can see a straight line between the sin in me and the sin out there and I go straight there every time. It's about time I learned my lesson. Maybe it's about your tendency to be the younger brother or the older brother, to be condemning and judgmental or just to let everything into your mind. Maybe it's about the fact that I'm saying no to all the bad things, but I'm not filling my vision with the kingdom of God. So what has God put his finger on for you? And how are you gonna determine what you're gonna watch tonight? I hope that you've got a framework now that we're gonna be thoughtful and discerning. Father, you just want good things for us. You know that sin is not just about saying no to the fun stuff. You know, you know how sin always destroys, sin always separates. Maybe not in the short term, but in the long term, every single time. And so out of love, you call us to holiness. God, you care about our vision. You care about our hearts deeply. So Father, would you alert our consciences to your voice? Where is it, God, that you are pointing out your voice to us? What are you calling me to do in response? The sign of faith and moving towards the light. What do I need to repent of, Lord? We have made just a series of unthoughtful or maybe even bad decisions. Jesus, I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we can know you better and that you are just increasingly good to us and that sin just doesn't compare to you and that we can see beauty, we can see creativity, we can see your fingerprints in, the, in this world and in art, Lord. Give us that redemptive vision, but give us wisdom and incredible courage in our discernment. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, amen. Uh, please remember there is gonna be some tea and coffee and brownies. If you do wanna shoot out to KFC or Steers or whatever the case might be, get something for lunch. Otherwise, just join in the field, maybe strike up some conversations with people you haven't seen for a while or haven't seen at all. We'd love to just enjoy the real experience of being together. But God bless you, amen.